check one, two. Hello? There you go. I think I'm in. There you go. You can hear me okay? Hallelujah. No, you guys did awesome. T and Stacy too. Thank you so much, T and Stacy. I tell you what, our uh, youth camp is coming up real fast. Thank you all for sponsoring our youth and, and being a blessing to them. They are going to, when Rod and uh, Larry are going to come down, and um, many of you don't know Rod and Larry. Some of you know Pastor Rod. He is larger than life in many ways. <laughs> and he'll be ministering here the sun, on the Sunday after of that. So on, on July 18th, he'll be ministering in the service as well. But he's going to be here. Larry, I've known Larry for many, many years. In fact, I introduced Larry and Rod to each other because I'd known Larry many years before I even met Rod. And uh, Larry is an awesome, awesome man. Our youth are going to have a spirit, incredibly spirit-led time. And I'm excited for that. So be praying with us for that. Um, we've got a couple things coming up. We've got a couple outreaches for the rest of the year. July is on. Can you believe July is right on our threshold, right? It's looking like it's a little dark here. If we, is it? Okay. Maybe you have the service lights. There you go. There you go. I can see you all. There you go. Excellent. Um, we've got a couple outreaches coming up. We'd, we started the GLS last year. The GLS was something that uh, the Global Leadership Summit, if many of you, you know the Version app, Craig Rochelle is an awesome, awesome teacher of Bible. He runs Life Church, which is a huge ministry. He, he was the pioneer behind the, 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 the Version app, which I use extensively. And this is an awesome, awesome leadership summit. It is not essentially a ministry conference. It is a leadership conference. And it is, I mean, for the price, which is really low price. There's still early bird pricing. It is ridiculous off the chain. Um, Corin's looking for volunteers and those things. So stay posted. It's in six weeks' time at August 5th and 6th. It's only two days. But I think we've got a video to roll. Do we? Can we roll that video? It seriously is, is top-notch. So if you are a business owner or you know people who are business owners or want to take your, your people, your staff to an event that's going to cost like about 100 bucks or just a little over $100, it is ridiculously because, I mean, I was once sponsored, told this to, a, to an Entree Leadership event, which was like $3,000 entry fee. And this, this conference is every bit as good as that. The faculty... Uh, that teach are just phenomenal. Each year they've got something fresh. They've got a couple of regulars that come back every now and again. You saw Henry Cloud's name up there. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher, Juliet Fun. And there's, they, they, she's super funny, but she's also got a lot of deep things. Anyhow, highly recommend you, you plan to come here if you want to build your business, your leadership. We've used it as an outreach. Um, the mayor opened it for us last year, the mayor of Eustis. We spoke to our sheriff. We had uh, sheriff's chaplains from Lake County. And, uh, you know, we just, we, we just want to invite people to come to that. Amen. So that's in six weeks' time. So if you want to volunteer at that event, please just... 
you just let us know. I think we can just text, uh, text in church num- name, uh, number and we'll get in touch with Karen and we'll be having a meeting pretty soon about that. And then, of course, uh, I do want to mention that next week we're going to start our Christmas in July. Well, Christmas in July, but you know we're going to do our, we're going to start raising funds towards our shoeboxes this year. We, the shoebox thing, um, we have, we are going to, we want to go way up on our shoebox fundraising. We have got an ostentatious goal of a thousand boxes. We had 200 last year, so we didn't want to just double it. We went five times as high. That's the goal. And so, and, and I want you to know, we, we buy stuff. We, we've decided we're not buying cheap little trinkety, junky plastic things that we're sticking in the box. We want to do a $15 box, but it's going to be filled with nice stuff. And we want to bless a thousand kids, right? So, which means that we're going to raise $15,000 in the next couple of months. And I have no doubt that it's going to happen. So no pressure. I promise you, no pressure when it comes to money and stuff. If you, especially if you're a visitor here, just relax. No, we're not. Nobody's going to pick your pocket on the way in or out of here. Um, we just—it's just one of our outreaches we love to get behind because those go into kids' hands and give them a Christmas gift, and they're given through ministries around the world that preach the gospel while they give those boxes out. So it does multiple things with that outreach, and I, I just love that. And um, so there will be help as far as packing the boxes and all of that will will be probably later in November or something like that. So, so Ms. Mary will be heading that up. In any case, I just want to let you know about those, those things. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you again, worship team, for um, just a, a heartfelt worship. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your goodness and faithfulness to us. Lord, thank you that your word and your spirit teaches us spiritually. Your word says that we have to have hearts that are spiritually sensitive to learn spiritual truths that are communicated spiritually. And so, Lord, we just open our hearts to hear from you. We don't want to just, we don't want to educate our intellect or our brains, but we open our hearts to hear what you are saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you are a visitor with us today or uh, online with us this morning, thank you. Welcome. Um, Relax. Enjoy the time. But we trust that that Lake Haven is an experience. You know, our overarching goal here is that you intimately know God or come to intimately know God the Father and experience His unconditional love. That is our prayer for you. I, I, I you know, when the, as the worship team were, were uh, worshiping, I was, I was reminded in, from Exodus 33 when Moses prayed and he said to the Lord, well, he actually just, the Lord was t- talking to him and he said, Lord, listen, man, he was getting frustrated. He said, you've got to show me your glory. I want to see your glory. He demanded, he's like, I, I need to see your glory. I need to see this glory. And you know what God said to him? He said, I will let my goodness pass in front of you. He revealed, God's glory is revealed in his goodness. And that is so far away from the religious picture of God. If you just meditate on that a little while, God's goodness is his glory. Think about that. Or put it the other way around. God's glory is his goodness. You want to see the glory of God. You know, there's that old religious thing. Oh, we just want to see the Shekinah glory of God and have this bright shining light inside the room. Well, whoop-de-doo, if you see a nice bright shiny light, but how does a bright shiny light change your life? Right? You know, when Moses saw 
the glory of God, and he saw that he is a good God. And he just, it says that he just saw his back parts, you know. And in Psalm 23, he says, your goodness and mercy follow me. Man, there, there, there is, there's this awesome truth, the God that we serve, that when we get to, when we say we want you to intimately know God, I mean intimately, more intimately than you know your spouse, more intimately than you've ever known anybody in your life, you and I can get the opportunity of intimately having a personal, intimate experience with God. And when we get to know Him intimately, that's what He shows. You get to know His glory. You get to know His goodness. <laughs> He's a good God. He's a good God. You know, um, in Matthew chapter 9, there's this phrase that Jesus is reclining at a table, and it says here in verse 10, Jesus reclined at a table in the house, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for i came not to call the righteous but sinners you know jesus the friend of sinners has perplexed religious people for ages in fact you don't often hear, hear jesus purported as the friend of sinners he he however came to show us remember we've spoken about this in the series and and i'm, I'm planning on wrapping up the Reckon series today, but, but we've shown, he's shown us that, that this is, he is the revelation of God. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. We see that all over, and we've, we've dealt with those scriptures many times. But he says here, go and find out what I'm talking about here. They're asking, listen, why are you hanging out with sinners? Why are you eating with sinners? Now, let me just put this little aside in here. Notice Jesus wasn't making his closest buddies sinners. He wasn't walking with 12 sinners and tax collectors. They weren't, his, they weren't his core group. But he had no problem going and hanging out with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners. He had no, he had no trouble. And crowds followed him, right? So Jesus, the friend of sinners. Remember, when we see Jesus, we've seen the Father. Amen? Think about that. Jesus... We've seen the Father. What does that look like in today? What does it look like in today's day and age? Where are today's sinners and tax collectors? What is the equivalent of a tax collector? Where would Jesus be today? Remember, his glory is his goodness, his mercy. He says, here I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I, called not, I never came to call the righteous but sinners. And so this series... We've spoken a lot about transformation and metamorphosis, and last week we spoke about Romans 12 and, and, and about how we're renewing our mind. This is how we are transformed. And, 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 and I started up right in the beginning of the series. I said, we're talking essentially, and, and I want to, as we kind of bring this to a close, I, want, I said that this, if you get this, if you get the heartbeat of what we're saying over here, because we could really camp on any one of these places for a long time. But but essentially, we're talking about effortless change. You see, and I, and I mentioned this, behavior, behavioral change is not the, is not, um, the goal. 
the, the church, a lot of religion will try and say, you had better change. You, 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 are, you are this old person and you better change. And if you don't change, then, well, God's going to be real disappointed with you. That is religion. That is called dead works. It is not your job. You, let, let me put it this way. You are not the old man. If you are born again, you are not the old man. That has to then change into the new man. No, no, no. Listen carefully. There is a massive difference between change and transformation. Religion says you better change or otherwise God's going to be upset with you. But transformation we're talking about is very, very different. Our job is not to become what, what God wants us to become. It's to connect and put on who we are in Christ. God made us, it says, that in Christ we are a new creature or a creation or a new creature. You, if you step into Jesus, you are a new creature. But what we have to do is we have to put that on, and that's what we want to talk about. We have to, how do we, how do we put that on? How do we put on this new creature? Because if that's who we are, follow me, how do we transform into that image? We, now remember, again, I'm going to say very clearly, change says you're a screw-up and you better change, or otherwise God's not going to be happy with you. But if you come to Jesus and you come to, and, and, and he, we know that transformation, when you come to Jesus and you say, Lord Jesus, save me, he, he say, it says that in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that he makes us a new creature in Christ, right? So as a new creature, how does that look? How does the transformation look? Because if we just simply, <laughs> if we try and constantly make ourselves who it, it, it's like one way we're trying to make ourselves something that we're not versus transforming into who we truly are. Okay, I've said that a couple of different ways. So now, we start with God's love. Listen to this in Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Do you presume on the riches of His, or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance? That's Romans chapter 2 verse 4. God's goodness and kindness is what leads to repentance. Now, that word repentance, many of you have heard us. We've studied it before. It's been a while. But the word repentance is not snot and tears coming up to the altar and saying, Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. That is not repentance. The literal word for Greek is metanoia. Is literally meta, which is the same as word as metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, it's changing the shape, it's changing the form. Metanoia, noia's mind. It is changing your mind. So he says here, not knowing that it's God's kindness that leads to metanoia. It's the goodness of God that causes you to change your mind. When you know how good God is, he will change your mind about God. You see, religion constantly is preaching, God is mad at you, you better shape up. You better pull up your socks. You better do better. 
And, and as I said earlier in the, in the series, if you, make it about, if you make it about external change, that is not, a, that is not true change. That's faking it. And we know the old saying, fake it until you make it, right? Or whatever. But that is, that is not true, lasting, and effortless change. You can't change from the outside permanently. But if we get into this and grasp what, we, what he's saying over here, this real metanoia, this change of mind, this repentance that leads to transformation happens, as we've said so many times, from the inside out. We learn to work on the inside, the entos. Clean the inside of the cup, Jesus told the Pharisees. Listen, guys, man, outwardly, you're like, you know, like whitewashed sepulchers, whitewashed tombstones. There's a lot of whitewashed tombstones in the Christian world. They look the part, but they smell like a dead man. They smell like a dead man. Inside, they are dead man's bones. And Jesus comes along and he says, listen, guys. You've got to change from the inside out. Inside out. Now, you with me? Okay, this is important. Okay, so now what we've got to understand is that change from the inside out, we've got to talk about the heart. Okay, now, now stick with me. This is real important. That there is a great book that Norman and Linda did called... Um, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries, which goes, it's a big old thick book and it, it details, it's phenomenal about the heart and influencing the heart and changing the heart. And, and it, it really goes into great, great detail. I need, I need you to just follow me on this today because I'm kind of giving you an, an, an off, just an overview of this concept of the heart. Now, it is essential that you understand. I, for years I heard this. I don't know what your ba spiritual background is. But I, I heard many teachers say the heart and the spirit are the same thing. And it is very clear if you study scripture that the heart and the spirit are not the same thing. Old Testament and New, and I'm going to read through some scriptures over here, but I'm going to show you that the influence you and I are responsible for influencing and changing our hearts. Okay. I'm making that statement. You see, when you were born again, it said that God will put a new heart in us, a new spirit and a new heart in us. But you will see that your heart is, um, what's the word? Influenceable. Your heart is influenceable. One of, the re one of the big influences of your heart is your mind. That's why Romans chapter 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because as we think differently and, 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 we, and, and we allow this thinking differently to transform our hearts or to renew, we, we change this picture inside of us, that's what's going to change us from inside out. It's not just an intellectual thing, but it certainly starts here. It certainly starts here, okay? So I'm, I'm going to say it again. The heart and the spirit are not the same thing. Now, we deal with this in D group. You know, I, I, I have a little illustration that I use in D group, and I see it this way. We talk about the three-part being, right? There is a spirit, a soul, and a body, right? The spirit is that part of you that's completely born again when you get saved. Your spirit is, is renewed. It's made holy. It's made, it's made right. It steps into Jesus. You, that spirit of you is sealed, untouchable. 
That spirit, praise God. It's that, that inner part of you that is connected with heaven, so to speak, right? Now there's the soul realm. The soul is also, look, all, part, all three parts are you, guys. All three parts. Even, yes, even this flesh, because this flesh won't last, but you, even when this flesh doesn't last, one day you're going to get a new one of these. You are going to get a new body, right? So even then, you're still going to have body, soul, and spirit. Even in eternity, you're still going to have body, um, soul, and spirit. Have you ever thought about that? It's just going to be a fancy body. It's going to be a body that can translate itself. It can go places. It can walk through locked doors. It can eat fish and other things probably. We saw that with Jesus' body. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. He had a renewed, he is the first and only one currently that has got this renewed body. All our friends and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and, and historical characters haven't got a renewed body yet. Their, their spirit is with them. But there will be a day when the dead in Christ will rise. And that's talking about getting a body. So we're not talking about that whole thing. There is a spirit, a soul, and a body. Now, many people define the soul just for the sake of this as mind, your mind, what you think about, your will, how you decide stuff, and emotions, right? This is the soulish realm, Correct. And then there's the body, of course. Spirit, soul, and body. So I, I, I do this illustration. If you imagine this circle as your spirit, this circle as your soul, and this circle, like three intersecting circles. Just for the sake of an illustration. I believe the heart is where all three of those come together. It's kind of like the interaction between spirit, soul, mind, body. It's emotion. It's, it's the influenceable part. Okay, you, you're with me. Okay, so now you're thinking, oh, Shannon, okay, so where are you going to go with this? Okay, so firstly, let's look at a bunch of scriptures. I'm starting at 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Here, uh, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his outward appearance or his height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance the flesh but the lord looks on the heart okay so god we see is a heart god he looks at the heart okay so then in matthew verse 15 i'm oh, sorry chapter 15 verse 7 it says you hypocrites well did isaiah prophesy of you when he said this people honors me with their lips but their hearts are far from me in vain they do worship, teaching, at the, as the, uh, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I want you to see here that Jesus said there's this thing called basically lip service. He says they are, their hearts are far from me. They, they can honor me with their lips. Now, can I be practical, frank, brute, blunt, whatever you want to call it? How much, if I had to ask you this question, and you don't have to answer out loud, of course, how much of the church world do you know that worship God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him? In other words, they'll check the box. They will say, rah, rah, God, I love you, when it's in church, right? So they honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. Okay, so that's in Matthew chapter 15. Now, John verse 14 over this, uh, verse 27. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you, uh, do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's John 14, 27. 
So see here, your heart can be troubled. Your heart can be afraid. Why? Because Jesus said, don't. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. He didn't say, don't let your brain be troubled or your mind be troubled. He literally said, cardia, heart. There are different words for nous, noia, cardia, heart. Okay. And pneuma, spirit, different words in Greek and in Hebrew. Okay. So he says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Okay. Psalm 62. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. In other words, you can set your heart on riches. Because we're told not to. You and I can set our heart not on God, but we can set them on riches. So we're told not to do that. How about this in Hebrews 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ if we indeed hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, did you see that twice? In verse 12, it says, it says that don't let there be an evil, unbelieving heart in you. So guess what that means? You can have, brothers, an evil and unbelieving heart because we're told not to. Right? You're with me still. Then it says, do not harden your hearts as you did in the end. Now, we've spoken about hardening in our previous series. We've spoken about at length that what is the heart? The soil in the, in the parable of the sower. Remember, we spoke about nourish and flourish. The whole thing is the seed of the word of God. Your heart is the soil. It's up to us whether we're going to soften our hearts, prepare our hearts for the seed of the word of God. It's up to us to nourish the seed by watering the seed, by gro- letting it grow in our hearts. That is the heart, your heart, and my heart. Just in the illustration, and I'm brief overview, remember, seed on the hard heart, birds pick it up, it's gone. There's the incorruptible seed of the Word of God will have no effect on our hearts if we harden our hearts. But we can water, as we've spoken about in the whole series of Nourish and Flourish. We can let the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things come in and choke the Word and make the Word unfruitful. That is talking about our heart. Hearts. Our hearts. We all look... look I'm not talking, in case any of you are visitors here, I'm not talking about, as a, if, you've, if you've saved and you've given your heart to Jesus, if you've given your heart to Jesus and you're born again, you will go to heaven. This is, not what the, this is not the question. That, I believe, will happen. But if you harden your heart, if you don't let this process, this transformation process, you will not experience in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, you won't experience the peace of God. You won't experience healing in your body. You won't experience a lot of those things. Why? Because you are not letting, you are not yielding to the process that God told us to yield to. You are not following what Jesus said in the parable of the sower. How are you going to let the seed of Word word of God grow in your heart? How are you going to nourish that seed? How are you going to water that seed, right? 
Okay, so don't harden your hearts, it says. Then in Romans 10, it says this. It says in Romans 10, verse 10, For with the heart, one believes. So we know that believing doesn't happen in your head. I touched on this before. When people just say, oh, I know about, I believe in Jesus, but it's really just, I've heard about him, I hear. I'm not talking about knowing. It says believing in your heart. There is a difference between believing and being persuaded in your heart versus knowing in your head. And as a growing disciple and student of Jesus, you've got to learn the difference between what I believe and what I agree with. Because there is most often a discrepancy with what you know in your head, what you've heard, even if you've heard it a thousand times and you think, well, I know that. I know that. Don't tell me, don't tell me that God loves me because I know that. I'm not talking about what you've heard. I'm talking about what you know. What you know that you know that you know. When it, when it, beco- when it comes in here, it becomes a revelation. It becomes an experience. I mentioned it last year, last week. When, when, you, exp- when you believe something in your heart, whoo, baby, things change. Things change effortlessly. Outwardly, because change comes from the inside, outward, when you believe things in your heart, things change automatically outwardly. But... Here's the big but. You have to be prepared to know how to persuade your heart. This is key in this transformation, in this process. Amen. So we see that in Romans 10.10 here, it says, With the heart one believes and is justified, and with with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Okay, um, there's, there's, I'm going to flip through these kind of quickly. In Proverbs 2, it says, verse 2, incline your heart to understanding. Proverbs, uh, Psalm 37, um, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Your heart can have desires. Um, uh, verse James 5, verse 8 says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. You establish your heart. Go ahead, establish your heart. Can you imagine James standing up before us today and we were sitting down and James walked in here and he said, listen guys, I want you to establish your hearts because the Lord's coming. Do you know what he means? Because he's telling us to. Establish your hearts because the, Lord is at ha- the Lord's coming is at hand. Deuteronomy 15 verse 9 says, Take, um, it says that there can be an unworthy thought in your heart. You can, it says, you can have an unworthy thought in your heart and say, the seventh year of the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, brother and you give him nothing, and he cries. So your heart can process stuff. I, I, I'm showing you these scriptures because we so often want to just throw things uh, and make uh, pet sort of little explanation say, oh, yeah, I know all that. I know the heart and the spirit. They're just the same thing. No, no, no. If you, if you study these scriptures that I'm saying, you will see each one of these, we are told we are the influencer of our hearts. 
Don't let this happen. Lest there be, take care. In other words, says, be careful, people. Lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. So he's warning people then, don't let that selfish little greediness come in you where you start getting selfish on your brother. And if you go and study that, that's a powerful truth. You can be selfish and greedy towards the unpoor. And he says, you can, you can look grudgingly on your, bro, on your poor brother and give him nothing, and he will cry to the Lord. He's saying, be careful, people. Don't let that selfishness in your heart. Um, you've heard this one many times, Proverbs 3, verse 4. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We're told, all your heart. Trust in him. Um, Philippians 4, 7. Guard your hearts. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. So he says his peace will put a guard over our hearts. Evidently, our hearts need guarding. And that says it again, and we've, sp- we've studied this many times, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart, or some, pe- some translations say, guard your heart above all else. With all diligence, guard your heart. This doesn't say guard your spirit. It says, folks... Above anything else, guard your heart. You and I have to guard our hearts. Even in Deuteronomy 11, 16, it says, Take care lest your heart be deceived. Our hearts can be deceived unless we take care. Proverbs 23, 26, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my way. Proverbs 23, 19, hear my son and be wise and direct your heart in the way. So guess what? Who directs your heart? You do. You are the one. You see, if you don't know how to guard your heart, direct your heart, Believe in your heart. Do you, did you see that there was a smattering of all these influenceable things? Be, guard your heart. Be, protect your heart. Be aware of these things. So this is all under our control. And so, uh, again, I'm going to go back to that statement I said this in the beginning. Our job as a new believer is not to become what God wants us to become. It's to connect to and to put on who we already are. Okay. That is, <laughs> that it should be very liberating. My, pe- my brothers and sisters, you are and have been made a new creature in Christ. Full and complete in Him. But you know what we have to do? We have to learn how to put this on. We have to learn how to renew our mind so that we think differently. And so we can put this on in our heart. Listen, you you and I know, if I, you know, it talks about Abraham in in Romans chapter 4. Abraham became fully persuaded. There is truth that you've heard and then there's stuff that you're not completely persuaded about, if you're honest. Stuff in the Bible. You may have, you, you, you've heard it and you, you agree with it. You say it's probably true, but you're not fully persuaded in it. So the process of 
of understanding where the, that I mentioned before, understanding what to do in your heart is, is a process of just saying, listen, this is who God has already made me. I am not trying to, I'm going to say it again, I'm not trying to become something that I'm not. That is dead works. There is a big difference between trying to become something that you do not believe you are. Okay? You see, there's a righteousness. Listen to this. Religion has you believe that you are still that old person. And it says that 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 old person is now to become, as I said, this sets you up for a destructive, um, destructive belief that because if I'm not going to be who I, if God is, is going to reject me if I don't change, that is not ever going to happen. You are accepted in the beloved. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is never going to reject you. God has made you whole and complete. But where we fail to experience all these promises is because we haven't learned how to renew our mind and to put on the new man. Put off the old. Remember I said it so many times before. Put off the old man, renew our mind, and put on the new. That is not saying, oh, I don't have that pair of clothes. I mean, put off and put on sounds like a pair of clothes, right? It's not saying, oh, well, there's the new clothes. I'm the dirty clothes. I've got to go and... No, I, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already there, but how do I get it from the inside out? Do you, do you, are you following me? That is, that is this process of transformation. I, I, said, I said last week as well, behavior is just a, a thermometer. Behavior is a thermometer. Behavior should change as, as a Christian. Your behavior should be changing. You should be experiencing change. You should be a nicer person than you were before. You should be a kinder person than you were before. You should be a more peaceful person. You should be a healthier person. Every promise that God has given us, you should be experiencing. And if you're not, it's because this process has been interrupted. By religious thinking. By religion who says, oh, don't worry, if you just come to church and sit and, you know, put your butt down in a nice comfortable seat for an hour once a week, automatically it's going to change. I'm sorry, there isn't a button in your butt here, special, that you can, you can just click it on, you know, click, clock, click. I, no, it, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> but, but renewing the mind is an intentional thing that you have to put on this truth. This truth that is you, you, again, I'm going to say it's so important. Please, 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 please hear me very clearly. We're very different from religion. Lake Haven is on the other side of the scale. We are not saying you have got to change to make God happy. Okay? We, we're seeing God, this, we started talking about the love of God. God loves you so much. He has given you all these things. He's, he's, his goodness and mercy are for you. He's got, but you don't, you, don't have, so you don't have to change to keep him happy. But there is a transformation process that you should be walking in. And this is what this transformation process is looking like. Now, as I said, if you want to study a book that's about this thing, 
and you want to go through a real life-changing experience and work at this, there's a really good book that we can give you. Norman and Linda, I don't think they did it for a couple years. How many years did you do that? Three years they went through that book with group. And, they, and how much change did you see, Linda? And how many people? Lots of life change. I had a gentleman that was, I don't even know how old he was, but he was an elderly gentleman. He came up to me in tears, weeping. He said, why haven't I ever heard this before? Why have I never been told this before? Because religion doesn't teach what I'm telling you here. Religion says you better shape up or God's going to get you or whatever the case is. But, but you see, the flip side of the coin is if you don't change, if you think that just coming to church is going to change you, and you, don't, and you start getting frustrated because you're still having the same problems you used to have. You've still got a problem with pornography or alcohol or substance abuse. You still have an issue with womanizing or whatever. Or you're still having an issue with this. You say, Listen, guys, I'm just being real. Every book in the New Testament dealt with some issue. The Corinthian church was a worldly church. Super worldly church. Paul had to write to them and said, trying to tell them. He kept trying to tell them, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you really are. Doesn't say, you better change up. He said, listen guys, this is not who you are. You've got to put this on. This is who you are. This is who you are. The, the Galatians, every, every book, if you study the books of the, the Colossians were into weird kinds of spiritual warfare. They had all this weird stuff, which I've, we've seen in past years. The Galatians thought that the law, you better keep the law. The only way to keep righteous was to do the law. If you just didn't do the law, then you, you weren't going to be righteous. And he says, dude, you, who's bewitched you? This is not how, so the whole book of Galatians is, is to correct these errors that were in the body of Christ. I hope to get to in the, in the next little while, I hope to start teaching about the, G, the books that Jesus wrote. You know that Jesus wrote books, right? You know which ones he, he penned himself, right? The seven letters to Revelation, Jesus gave the church, and they are powerful. And they are the same gracious Jesus that you know, that you're hearing about here. They're not the scary book that we don't open. We just have to unpack them and read them. We, we just have to we just have to unpack and understand them through the, the filter of who Jesus is. And suddenly you will be like, OMG, this is awesome. You know, but you know, when, when you see the books of Revelation, that's Jesus writing to the church and he's correcting errors in the church. The same stuff that we have today. And he's saying, this is the solution, guys. This is going to help you guys. This is going to help you guys. Jesus letters. They're awesome. They're awesome. It is awesome, and I, w I hope we get there within soon. But, 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 un but understanding that, that, that this process doesn't make you more loved or more acceptable, but, but if you don't go through the transformation, if you're not seeing results in your life, then religion, as I said so often before, will blame God and say, well, God's not doing it. Or you, because you don't understand this process, you will leave this church and go and try and, or another seminar and you will say, I'm, I know that somebody else has got the magic secret and I'm going to be changed when I go to that church. I'm going to put my butt in one of their chairs. Maybe they have the magic chairs. Do you understand what I'm saying? No matter where you go, there you are. You take you with you. 
You take you, all body, soul, and spirit with you, your mindset all with you, you're going you're to find the same things no matter where you go. If you're frustrated because you're feeling like it's not happening, listen up because God's talking to you. The Spirit of God is giving you something here. This stuff will be the grace of God. You see, great, we, we love grace, and I believe in grace with all my heart. Jesus came to bring us grace and truth. But grace, we access grace by faith. We can't access the grace of God with an idea, with an ideology. You can't access grace because you have, an, you have a personal uh, interpretation of the Word of God. That's not it. You can only access grace through faith. Faith is in the Word of God. It's trusting His Word. You can only access the true grace of God through His truth that when we read His truth, when we put on this truth, I've said this this way, no matter how crooked or misaligned you are, when you start understanding that it's up to you to align your belief system, then suddenly these things go click, 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 and you start lining up with what Jesus says it's like, with what the way God says the world works. It doesn't work a different way in that you're going to find a secret key. It's all in the Word of God. It's all in here. You, it's not going to change ever. It's not going to change ever. You have got to learn how to line you up to allow you, your belief system to change. If you don't let your belief system, if, if you don't read, I tell you what, this is, this is a, a if, you, if you read something in the Bible and you go, huh? I don't know if that ever happens to everybody, anybody but me, but I'm like, what? what are they? That's because you don't understand. And your brain is like, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand. Good. You, you, your three and a half pound brain doesn't grasp everything of God. But I can tell you what, remember when I did my Tony Stark thing a little while ago? You know, when, when, when you, when as we change and get these little pieces of the puzzle, you know, click and then click and then click as you allow as you as you humble yourself and God's able to to put you allow God to put that little piece of the puzzle in time and space and in everything else and and suddenly it's like oh my gosh I see another thing oh my gosh I see another piece slowly those pieces of the puzzle if you are humble if you are teachable if you're not you're screwed I'm sorry I'm sorry God said it this way twice. He said, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you will not, if you will not hear him, if you will not hear him and you say, oh, I know everything. Uh-oh. None of us have reached it. None of us are going to reach it. None of the apostles reached it. We, we, while we're in this flesh, it says when we see him, we will be like him because we will know him as he is. Until then, it's transformation from glory to glory to glory. Piece by piece. If the big I, if we remain teachable, if you humble your heart, not your head, not if you're just saying, oh God, I humble myself in the sight of you and I ask you to, I'm not talking about what you say with your lips. You can, you can say whatever you want to out of your lips and your heart can be far from him. I'm going to say it again. You can say whatever you want to out of your mouth and if you don't get your heart engaged, it can mean nothing. Since the Old Testament, right through the New, God said, your heart is far from me. Not everybody, but he knows. 
because man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So no matter what you say, no matter what, how much you fake it, God knows the truth. Which is what Jesus said. Listen, if you're angry in your brother, you're guilty of murder. What? If you just look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. Why? What? It's like, because he's saying, listen, guys, you're doing the thing in your heart. It's all about the, it's, it's doing the thing in your heart. So we have to say, we have to say okay. Now, now remember, I'm going to say it once more and many times probably. You are not trying to become something that you are not. You are a new creature. You have got to believe and put on in your heart and mind, renew your mind. You've got to straighten up your thinking till what's lining up with God's way of thinking. Then you will know His good, perfect will. How will you know it? Because your brain is aligned. Your mind is aligned. That's why you're going to know, oh, I get it. Now I know he's good, per he's good perfect will. Because, because it's not three stages of the will of God. It's, it's like, okay, I get it now. Why? Because you're doing, and, and I said it last week as well, you're doing, you're doing the renewing process. You're putting off the old man, renewing your mind, and you're allowing your, the, to put on this new creature. I'm telling you, one of the hardest things to do is to put on the identity that you are. I say hard because to believe that you are the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. And, and learning how to do that. So in this process, <laughs> the identity is, where we, is really where we have to start. So remember, when I started this series... I started with Romans chapter 6. I reckon. For if we, verse 5, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know, know, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we could no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So that you must also consider or reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. You have to reckon yourself. Consider yourself. And I've said it multiple times. You have to, you, you're not just like, I figure I might be. No, 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 no. Understand the actuality of the truth that you are actually dead. Now, blow you away. This whole process should have been taught to us when we were born again. That's why we have water baptism. We have water baptism as a physical demonstration to show exactly what are we talking about. You are dead and you raised to new nice in life. That's, what water, that's where we're supposed to start. Water baptism, there's nothing magical about the water. It's about understanding, oh, hold on a second, I am dead in Christ, 
raised to newness in life. I put that on. I'm a new person in Christ. What's the other thing that we taught to do? Besides water baptism, I've said it numerous times. Communion. Elise listened. <laughs> you get a gold star. No, I'm just like, no, but, but communion. Communion is where we, are, where we are experiencing. So just as baptism can be an experience where you say, I am dying to my old self and I'm being raised in newness of life. I identify that my old person is dead. Now, the same thing in communion. When we take bread and the wine and we say, okay, this is, my, this is his body broken for me. Jesus is the one that was crushed and crucified and, and etc. He took the punishment for my sin, the propitiation, his love. All of that can come to me because he is the one that was crushed. If we, we get to experience Jesus, we, just like the new life, we get to experience his death, burial, resurrection, who Christ is. As he is, so are we in this world. Every time we take communion should be a reminder, okay, who am I again? I'm as he is. I'm as he is. That's what I should be doing. That's why it says, listen, if you don't do this properly, you can die. Not because you, God's going to put judgment on you. He's already put all the judgment of Jesus. He can't judge you for any sin anymore. The point is that you don't know that. And because you don't know that, so you, 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 you think that God, if you just do something wrong with a piece of bread, that God's going to slap you with something. It's like, oh, you, you, you missed the point of the cross. Jesus took the punishment for our sin. There is no judgment, listen carefully, for, the, for any one of us with, as far as sin goes. There will be a judgment day one day. And that will be for people who do not believe in him. It will not be for judgment of sin. And, and I'm not, that's not where I'm teaching today. But that's the whole point of communion. What, what, where we can identify. This is what Jesus died. This is his body that was broken for me. And the blood of the new covenant. That's why it can be powerful. That's why you can listen to Joseph Prince. and all, He teaches the, the communion very well. But I mean like the blood and, and, and how you can experience healing today. Because because I understand, hold on a second, I'm putting, what you're doing is you're, you're renewing your mind and persuading your heart of the fact you are reckoning yourself, oh, not only am I just dead to sin, but I'm actually raised in newness of life. Everything Jesus did has been judged and for. Hallelujah. That is good news, people. That is a gracious God that's given us. So, change versus transformation. You know, the word confession, you know, you, the only place that I have found that you can do this is in your quiet time. The only, t the only place that you can actually give consideration, you, you, you can't get your heart engaged your emotions engaged. And, 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 and so the process is this. I'm just going to just practically, the last couple of minutes, going to say this is just an overview of how I try and work this into my life, is you've got to be alone. You've got to carve out space alone. You can't do it with your wife or your husband. You can't do it with your kids. It's great. You can read the Bible with them and you can pray together. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm talking about you communion with intimately with the Father. 
And, and when, you, when, when you confess, the word confess is to say the same thing, is to agree. When you are fellowshipping, we, we've spoken about this, you are sharing what is common to both of you. That's what the word fellowship means. And, the, and we are, we are we're coming into fellowship with Jesus. I'm, we're sharing what is the inheritance. I'm fellowshipping with him. I'm learning how to put on what he has given me. I can only, I, I, have, to, I have to get my whole spirit, soul, and body in, in to experience that truth. In other words, I've got to be quiet. I've got to meditate. That's what meditate is. And I, it, meditating is thinking on something until it creates an emotion. Why? Because that's part of your soul. It's how you write on your heart. Yeah. It, it's not just like, I'm going to regurgitate. It's not just saying something. It's like, wow, this is the truth. And, and I used righteousness as an example. But any one of the problems, every one that you have been given in Christ, every promise the na- starting with the names of God and who He is, and as you're like, wow, God, you've given me this. I, they, I can have no lack. In fact, the Lord's Prayer is incredibly powerful when you look at it, each piece like that. I have no lack. You leave me beside still waters. There is no lack in my life because there's no lack in your life. If, I, if there is lack in my life, I bind up the lack in Jesus' name. I send it away. I put it off. I send up the lack away. I thank you, Lord, that you have provided everything for me in Jesus. I put on, thank you for all the provision. Thank you, God, that you're my healer. You are Jehovah Rapha. That means that there is no sickness that I'm experiencing that is from you because you cannot but be healer. You cannot but be provider. You cannot but be peace. That means that there is no evil, there is no thing that you sent. Because when I come into you, and anything you do will have peace with it. Everything you do will have healing with it. Everything you do will have provision with it. Everything you do will be a banner of victory over it. Everything, because why? Because I'm putting on each name as I think and meditate. And I, and I, and I start getting my whole being until, if I just take one of those, I'm not just, I mean, I mean I'm giving a whole bunch of them right now, but if I took one of them, like say Jehovah Rapha, you're struggling with sickness. Lord, I, I'm experiencing these, these symptoms in my body. And, and I don't want to experience these symptoms. And I see that by his stripes I was healed. Psalm 103 says that, by, you know, that the, do not forget all of his benefits, any of his benefits, who heals all my diseases, right? Forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Thank you, Lord, that you're the healer. You sent, Psalm 107, you sent your word and healed them. Thank you, Lord, that I prosper and I'm, I'm being in health just as my soul prospers. Thank you, Lord, that my soul is prospering. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God, my healer. When I come into your throne, when I come into your presence, you are healer. Jesus, inside of me by your spirit, you're manifesting healing. What does that look like? As you are in this world, so am I. What does that look like in Jesus? You're seated at the right hand of the Father. You're seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm seated with you in heavenly places. As you are, so am I. Healing, lack, all of those things were dead. I consider myself dead. I put on. That's who I am. And, and, and so, you know, when, when I meditate to the place where it creates an emotion in me, that's when I believe it. Not when I've oh, I thought that, or somebody told me that, and I agree with that. You deceive yourself, because one day you believe it, you cause this wavering. And What does James say about wavering? Never receive anything from God. Why? Because I think I'm healed, I'm not healed. I think I'm healed, maybe I'm not. Maybe God's giving this, maybe God's not doing this. Maybe God called it because I did this. Maybe 
that's just because you don't know the nature and character of God yet. God can't send that. But because we have yet to renew our minds to the truth that God can never break your washing machine or send sickness or kill, bring anything of death because he is Jehovah Rapha. 